day one. Collector 3879. Transport to Earth has been successful. I've taken the shape of a human female, and I'm calling myself Kara. Humans come in all shapes and sizes. The diversity is quite remarkable. The humans have five highly developed senses. It seems as though they strive to please these senses at all times. Be it taste, smell, hearing, touch or sight, stimulation is what they are constantly searching for. Do what? I said so the Matrix was just like real life? Basically, I think. And what was going on outside? There were robots? There were robots and uh, human bodies being used as batteries while they're in the simulation. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Why do the robots do it? Because they we're good need... batteries? Yeah. Wouldn't they be better batteries? They're made of batteries. But they need power, and they don't generate their own power. And so the humans, if you keep reproducing them, they can keep using them as, like, organic batteries. How do they reproduce them if they're all in pods? Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a little <laughs> there's a little tube that goes up into the urethras and uh, pulls out sperms. And then slithers it into a vagina. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so. I don't know. I don't. I want to be clear that I don't want to be the one who has to defend the Matrix. You're not defending it. You're defining it. Fair enough. Uh, so when you have sex in the Matrix, like when you're in the Matrix, like when you're before you take your pills and you have sex and you have a job and you have all that stuff and it doesn't really matter because you're just a human battery right um it's kind of fucked up for them to let us think that <laughs> well you know I would be happier being a battery I think <laughs> it's like honesty <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So you just raw dog it all you want in the Matrix. <laughs> but people would still get mad at you because they think it might give them a disease, even though the disease has just been created by the, the robots to, like, confuse you? I guess. Is everyone in their own little... I guess not everyone's in their own one, or you wouldn't be able to, like, talk to uh the resistance or whatever i don't know i saw it once when i was 13 and it's not the movie we're covering today (laughs) so let's let's move on if i have any more matrix questions i'll hold them till the end of the show okay we'll make a section at the end of the show for matrix questions if i can remember that by the end all right well welcome to the raincoat report this is boss here with jeremy Hello, how are you today, dear uh, listener? <laughs> and how are you today, boss? Uh, I'm good. I wasn't necessarily prepared for today to be our Matrix-themed uh, podcast. I uh, didn't have a chance to study up the way that I should have. No, no you didn't. So, 
That's okay. You know why? Because it's just the Matrix. It is just the Matrix. And whether you're in it or not in it, it seems like it doesn't matter. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. But this month, we are going to talk about what matters. And that's the truth. Now, normally on this podcast, we talk about pornography. And we'll still be doing that. But uh, it's a pornographic search for the truth. <laughs> and uh, the truth is out there. It sure is. That's, um, who said that? Uh, Albert Nike. Einstein? Nike? Yeah, that was part of a early 90s ad campaign. So the truth is out there? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were going to do just our normal thing this week. We were going to talk about uh, too naughty to say no to, too naughtier too furious um <laughs> but instead on the wednesday night I, I made a concoction of uh what i call it's uh, it's cough syrup and it's orange juice <laughs> and I, I drank that down and i was lying in my bed looking up at the ceiling and i heard a tap at the window now my window's uh, about six or seven feet off the ground so uh, I, I was like, what could this be? I turn and I look, and there's a man there. And oh. this man's head is it's huge. It's shaped like a crazy old balloon. Uh, and his body is thin like a stick. Oh. And he's long and gray. And he said, my name is Eggthelwaite. I am the Ascended Master. Um, and he said this to me, and he said, I am charging you with the task of investigating all the strange things that uh, exist in the pornoverse. Eggthelwaite has been watching me watch pornography for about a year. (laughs) (laughs) And he's become very offended that we haven't touched upon uh, more... uh, high-minded matters than we normally do we spend all our time you know digging through the trash and watching dracula and stuff but he thinks that we need to look to the stars and to the future so uh in an effort to please him and to never again see his horrible visage (laughs) i'm going to grant his request and so welcome listeners to the raincoat files you gotta put in the the music there we're gonna get sued we're gonna get a little sued speed it up (laughs) like i don't know speed it up okay i'll see what i can do just speed it up to two times (laughs) i don't know do something you don't have to do anything well what a way to start the raincoat files we have this week yes this is the movie actually he told me to start with Okay, I was wondering why you chose this one specifically. Yeah, this week we are covering Femalian 2, and don't go looking back for Femalian. You won't find it, because uh, we haven't covered it. <laughs> now, this is Eggthelwaite's favorite, um, I believe, because he ascended from this plane probably around 1998 or so, so this is just to his taste. Okay. Uh I can promise the other films will be uh, 
more of our usual fare in yes. uh, time and place. But uh, the time and place Egg the Weight has chosen is 1998. Yeah, I was uh, kind of surprised by this choice, especially since we hadn't covered Femalian. Um, and me being the Nimrod mind that I am, I decided that, well, before I watch Femalian 2, I should definitely watch Femalian. Uh, How'd that go? It was a poor decision overall. It's probably why he didn't pick it. <laughs> it was okay. It's v- kind of similar to Femalian 2, um, but Femalian 2 has a little more meat on the bones. Uh, Femalian follows Kara, a uh, woman from the stars who has come to examine human sexuality on the planet Earth. And uh, she's supposed to go for a day and uh, report back her findings. Yeah. Uh, And we follow her as she watches a bunch of people have sex and she clutches and rubs her tits while she watches them. And uh, then she decides to stay on Earth, and that's basically the movie. That's um, that sounds not so great. It was. It had a few moments to it. There's a, a plot about a uh, like diner that she lives near that's mm-hmm. getting taken over by the masseuse next door, and it's stupid. <laughs> The diner's being taken over by the masseuse? Well, like... They, like, do better business, and they're like, we're expanding now into, uh... Like, the diner was, like, renting the location, and the masseuse guy next door bought it. Oh. So he's running them out so he can expand his massage parlor. I didn't expect it to have, like, a break-in style plot where someone had to save something. (laughs) Um, That's pretty cool. This one doesn't have that at all. There no. Are no, there's nothing about land deals. No, but there are some things that happen in it, so there's that. That's good. So I'm I'm glad you watched it because you corrected me on a an assumption that I had developed that a lot of the footage of Kara from Familian Two had to have been just reused footage from the first film. Yeah, and you would think so, especially since like they're more or less like kind of recreating scenarios from the first film yeah they're just sort of tracking in her footsteps right but uh she's yeah this is all new footage there's like some flashbacks at the very beginning of the movie in the first like couple minutes Mm -hmm. where it shows stuff from the first movie but um the actual uh later romance scenes in the film were all brand new excellent but it would make sense for those to be cut-ins uh, from the other movie if you didn't know, because uh, those are all scenes with Kara where she doesn't interact with anybody else from this movie. So you would think yeah. it's a uh, it's deceptive. It is deceptive, but it's not a Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two. Okay, it's um, Ekthoite's choice. <laughs> Let's go to break. All right. Well. Egg the weight. What have you done to us? Uh, we'll take a break and then we'll be back to talk about Femalian Two.
Did you do any uh, Black Friday dildo shopping? No, I didn't do any Black Friday dildo breakers. Dildor breakers. Dildor breakers? No. You weren't standing in line with the rest of the perverts? No, I saw a camp uh, in front of a GameStop. I guess (laughs) they thought they were going to get PS5s or something. I don't know. Is that what's... They're still hot, right? Yeah, you you still can't just walk in and buy one. So there's there's still some competition to get one. That's why you gotta start camping out Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah. Say fuck you, family. I'm not eating Thanksgiving this um, year. I'm waiting for my PS5. Yeah, I don't know. Do they even release games for it if no one has it? Uh, yeah. Good for them. I'm glad they're trying this. It's not so much that like there aren't any out there because there's a bunch out there. It's just that supply has still sunk behind demand. Oh yeah, and that was Thanksgiving. That was the story of the first Thanksgiving. Yes, that was the story of the first Thanksgiving. Uh, the story, of my Thanksgiving story, is that my grandma is demented now. Oh. Yeah, she apparently uses the oven to just store stuff in. Okay. And then a piece of cardboard got left up on, like, one of the elements, and my brother started a fire. Oh. Yeah, so they had to wheel the whole oven out. And then later on, she was looking for a pie that did not exist. Oh. She was like, who took my pie? And was going upstairs and checking the upstairs bathroom. And I'm like, oh, boy. (laughs) Like, it was funny at first until she went upstairs to look. Right. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, no, it's got really dark really quick. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's, uh, it feels more on brand than me asking you about a PS5, so enjoy (laughs) that little story. Yeah, the story of my Thanksgiving, the most notable thing was my stepdad explaining that he had just gotten rid of Disney Plus the day before because they were being too political. Oh, do they do like uh, they just won't put Song of the South back on there and he's just <laughs> mad about it I don't know like it, I didn't ask for clarification because I just didn't want to get into it uh, but I thought it was funny especially since it was shortly thereafter followed by him admitting that he'd have to get it again soon for some series coming back so whatever you know it's his money to spend have at it buddy very principled stand. <laughs> okay. Well, that was Thanksgiving. Well, let's talk about Femalians. Well, Femalian 2, which should be titled Femalians. The yeah. fact that it's not titled that, especially since it mostly yeah. follows a pair of... Well, I guess the it's people a, it follows is not a, is not a pair of Femalians. It, it follows, but there are two femalians in this there film. There are two femalians in this film, though, and, and they're just a, the most important. And it's just a missed opportunity. And they should have gotten James Cameron to direct it. No, they got someone else with Sybil Richards. They yes. got. I don't know anything about old Sybil. Uh, well, she directed some femalian movies. <laughs> um, she started her career in 1996 and made movies through 2001. Then she has a 15-year gap in her career where she starts uh, making stuff again in 2016. And then she made a bunch of stuff in 2016 through 2018. All softcore films? 
Um, looking at the titles of them, they are at least softcore. Excellent. I noticed in the credits is that the cinematography for this is done by uh, Gary Graver. Yes. In fact, it was. Yes. I was like, that name sounds familiar, but that's old uh, Indecent Exposure. Yes. Yeah. And uh, some Orson Welles movies. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And Familian, too. What a varied, wonderful career. Yeah, he really highs and lows. <laughs> yes, and he's there for all of it. Yeah, it's a Gary Graver story. You know, I want it from his perspective. Yeah. Let's do a biopic, and we'll get, if he's still alive, we'll get he him to do not. this. We'll get him to do the cinematography for it. He's dead? He's dead. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, we're going to have to scrap this project then. <laughs> There's nothing else for it. So, Femalian 2 opens with the Femalian 2 logo on a star field, and we get some flashbacks to the first movie as we're getting credits on screen, uh, including some really bad CG that was in the first movie and also here. Yeah, I figured this was probably a holdover. It is not good. It looks like a sub Nintendo 64. it's like a sega saturn i don't know yeah yeah one of those well this is going on we get some narration from kara who was the titular femalian from the first film she talks about how she explored human senses and stimulation and ultimately decided to stay on earth because the pleasures were too exciting to give up We then cut to a naked man and woman standing outside a house. Uh, They teleport into view, I guess. They look at each other, and the guy notes that his anatomical responses are working, uh, looking down at his dick. Uh, This is the pair that we follow for a lot of the film. This is Zeta, the female, played by Bethany Lorraine, and Tryon, played by Josh Edwards. They are the aliens who have been tasked with finding Kara and bringing her back. Is Kara an alien name, too? I guess so. Okay. You mean, well, you saw the first one. Um. Was that her name before she came to Earth? I don't remember. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Because they act like they're named after, like, chipboards or something. Yeah, I don't know. uh, I was like, okay, well. I think they, when they introduce themselves, they give, like, numbers or whatever at first, but then they give names, too. So, I don't know. The guy, still staring at his dick, says, I wonder how big it'll get. <laughs> but they uh, walk into this house. We cut to somewhere else where we see a woman practicing her breakup with Lester. This is Terry. Played by Amy Lindsay, uh, credited as Summer Leads. She is practicing her breakup, repeatedly restarting. Uh, but apparently she was actually outside his house, because she, <laughs> she knocks and he answers the door and asks what's up, and they start making out and undressing one another. Yes. Uh, it's in his little geek room with his wimpy computer desk. and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he has an alien poster. Right. Um, and that's one that I had when I was a kid. Mine was smaller, and it was, like, framed behind glass, and I won it from the 
from the fair from one of those games where they would guess your weight or age or whatever. <laughs> but mine probably cost a lot more because uh, it took a couple times to get it. I had to just uh, keep figure out that I had to lie to the man about my age. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to wait. And I was like, okay, they're switching carnies. I'm going to go back. I'm 35, sir. <laughs> no, I don't remember uh, if that was the game I wanted on, but I'm going to say it was. My memory is failing. One time when I was a kid, my mom took me to one of those uh, carnival picnic type things. I don't remember which one it was, mm-hmm. but uh, there was a, uh, a booth that had like some sort of dart game. Uh-huh. And I I don't know. I was probably like five-ish or something. Um, and I threw a dart and it hit the woman at the booth in the butt. <laughs> Did it stick in? Um, I'm not 100% sure from my memory. I hope so. I hope. But... Uh, <laughs> It's uh, definitely something that I shouldn't have been doing as a child because I had no coordination. Yeah, and still don't. Just be sexually harassing older MILFs at the fair. <laughs> what a sick child. So, Terry and Lester continue to make out. They lean on the desk for a bit, and then uh, she's laid down on a leather ottoman thing, or like a pair of leather ottomans. Uh, he undresses and kisses on her. We cut to them naked, humping on the couch. She gets on top for a bit and rides him. Um, it's worth noting, uh, this is a softcore film, so yes, this is all simulated sex. Yes, there's no penetration in this one. They uh, opted not to do that, so you could show it on late night cable. Right. Yeah, um, it's a bold choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's just the commercial choice. Uh, but I'm going to say, for being softcore, they at least do a good job of getting shots where they expose the tits. Yeah. So, you know, you can thank them for that. It's not just all like the back of a man's head or anything. Right. <laughs> uh, so, God bless them. God bless Gary Graver and <laughs> Sybil Richards. Uh, I did think that the soundtrack was kind of annoying. Yeah, the soundtrack is very irritating throughout this film. <laughs> it doesn't help things. Uh, I'm going to have to channel Eggthelweight at the end of this for his review. Okay. I feel like ours are going to be, we won't catch the magic of it. I, I, I would love to hear his thoughts. Okay, well, maybe you will. We cut to Terry and Lester redressing. She tells him she's out of here and tells him it's not working. They apparently are having great sex, but, you know, that's not enough. She's upset because he's too into his UFO hobby. Yeah, he (laughs) likes to chase UFOs. He likes to hunt for aliens, Um, and she's not in for that at all. Um. I guess she has been this whole time, but now she's sick of it. Yeah. Uh, She feels that the only time she can get attention from him is when they're doing it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I don't think she has much of a personality, it seems like. (laughs) Except that she doesn't like UFO stuff. 
and she likes proving her boyfriend wrong. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's not all him. But let's assume he's a big part of it and go on. Lester asks Harry what she wants from him, and she tells him that she wants him to give up all the UFO crap. He gets really defensive and whiny about it, and she tells him that he's pissing away his trust fund on all of this far-fetched stuff. So he doesn't even have a job. No, he just has a trust fund that lets him be Fox Mulder. (laughs) (laughs) She tells him he's not being an adult, and he starts whining about how much time he's put into this, and that she doesn't have an open mind. And she counters that she does have an open mind, and that's why she's leaving. As she's about to leave, he starts to get a beep on some device in the room. (laughs) And starts blathering about how they've arrived. Yeah, the visitors are here. He says that some weather satellites picked up a ship in the atmosphere and says he could use this device to find them. She says she's going to leave, but he tries to convince her to let him prove it to her that he's been talking about real things that are happening this whole time. So she agrees that she'll spend the day chasing around UFOs with him, but if they don't find them... She says he has to give it up. And he agrees. We cut to Zeta and Tryon, the aliens. Zeta is complaining about the human clothes, and Tryon says that they have to wear them in order to control their sexual thoughts. Yes, that's why why humans wear clothes. He notes that even with them wearing clothes, they're still feeling lustful thoughts. Uh, this is where we get introduced to Dak. Yeah, like Crystal uh, from Spencer's. Yeah, Dak was in the first film, and he was more of like a CG light creature, I think. Yeah. Um, so this is a different representation, but yeah. uh, he's like a kind of their artificial intelligence buddy. Yeah, he's like Zordon, sort of. Yeah. If you didn't have a budget to make Zordon in the second film. Uh, but yeah, he's just like a series of crystals. It's like from uh, like the first Superman movie, or like all the stuff from Krypton is kind of like crystalline. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, much cheaper. <laughs> right. They didn't get Marlon Brando to uh, speak from it. <laughs> it's here where we get more information that they're collectors there to take Kara back. Um, Deck seems excited about all of Kara's reports that she's made. The aliens note that Kara was supposed to be there for a 24-hour search, but she's been gone for around a full Earth year. It's at this point that we see Lester and Terry show up uh, outside the house that the aliens are in. He says this must be where they landed because as he's holding his uh, alien finder device. She asks him why they wouldn't land in a field, and he explains that the aliens who do that are doing it just for show. It's usually in urban areas. Yeah, where they land and live their lives. It's like uh, Men in Black. Right. Where they walk among us. We don't even know. Exactly. Some of them are little pugs. Some of them are big, weird roaches that live inside an old hillbilly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I wish this movie had some of that. I wish there was an evil familian. 
Well, we do get a little bit of Men in Black in this film in the form of the a Man in Black of a Man in Black <laughs> who is introduced here. Oh yeah, we see Lester uh, picking the lock to this house that they showed up at, and uh, we do see that the men, the Man in Black is watching them. Lester and Terry enter the house, and he's carrying around his little alien finder thing. It's clicking like a Geiger counter. The aliens are finishing up their download they're doing and uh, disappear just in time for Lester to show up in the room and not find them there. Wow. Lester says they must be in a crowd of people now, and so they get in his Jeep and take off. We see the man in black outside looking around the house as uh, they leave. We then see Zeta and Tryon appear outside a cafe. Then they have a vision of Kara eating food. Yeah, they do the thing the women, or the aliens from Superwoman did. They put their hands together. Oh, yeah, yeah. And to access each other's thoughts. Yes. So, um, that's one thing we've learned definitely about aliens for sure so far. Yeah. Our sample size is two, and that seems big enough. Exactly. (laughs) That's just science. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After they have their vision of Kara eating, Tryon notes that he now knows what hunger feels like. (laughs) (laughs) They walk into this cafe, and the lady there says, two? And they say, yes, we are. She repeats herself, table for two? And they say, that would appear to be sufficient. So they're set down at a table. There is a cafe in the first film, and I thought that maybe this was supposed to be the same place, but narratively speaking, they never really tied it to that, so I guess this is a different one. Yeah, this one's for uh, beatniks. Yeah, (laughs) there weren't any beatniks in the first movie. Yeah, I could definitely see where that would put that one below this one. Right, so we get introduced to a, a beat poet who's talking on a mic about space and Mother Earth and stuff. Um, Zeta and Tryon talk about human history a bit, and a waitress shows up. Zeta wants the left side of the menu, and Tryon wants the right side of the menu. The waitress notes they must be hungry. Tryon then decides that he's going to go up to the open mic, and then he talks about space like a dweeb. Yeah, he does a real, like, Big Bang Theory here. (laughs) Their whole characters are kind of like that sort of autistic nerd stereotype that that show like really picked up on right yeah they're just like we don't know what anything is we are aliens <laughs> and we have to talk like total jackasses well, as he's going the audience encourages him repeatedly yeah no they love it <laughs> i think you should sample it and put it in the episode it's one of the uh interstitials i'll see what i can do but uh beyond that I don't think it's very good. (laughs) Way past Saturn, just around the corner from the Milky Way, on the other side of Andromeda, is my planet. It's a long trip, man. You know, my planet has five moons. My planet has a red ocean with fish that fly. My planet is always cold. We don't talk much on my planet. We don't eat much on my planet. In fact, 
No one knows how to feel on my planet. No one knows how to touch on my planet. My planet is always cold. We see the waitress from the cafe and some leather-vested Rob Lowe nerd start making out. Is that not the poet? Uh, that might be. I think it's him. It doesn't okay, matter. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, he's... He just fucks the help at the poetry slam. I don't know. <laughs> he's just a dirty hipster poet. He's just banging all the waitresses. He wants the waitress to take a break, and she says she can't. The aliens watch and talk about how they're watching foreplay. Uh, he convinces the waitress that she can take a break, and we see them go and start making out in a back room. Hopefully the health inspector doesn't show up. Yeah. He takes off her top and kisses down her chest in midsection. He kisses her legs and around her crotch. Um, she's still wearing her panties, but then she slides them down. Uh, but we see that the aliens are excitedly watching them. He goes down on her, and she undresses him, kisses up and down his body. I feel like this has nothing to do with the search for Kara. No, not at all. They're not... They've got off task so quickly. She sits on a counter, and he goes down on her. Zeta's getting all steamy as she watches, and Tryon notes that her pulse is racing. Uh, Zeta kisses Tryon and notes how his pulse is racing, too. Uh, they continue to watch the waitress and douche poet as uh, Tryon touches Zeta. She tells him to stop. They can't get distracted. They're going to go back to their table. So we see the waitress and the poet standing fucking theoretically, although the angle's all wrong. Yes. This is a softcore trope. Yes. Um, I would say, do you think in... We haven't covered that many like softcore films... But I feel like the sex in this movie kind of stops like everything happening like a lot more than in like a hardcore film. Yeah, I think so. I just feel like I guess just because there's not penetration or there's just not enough going on where you're just kind of watching people dry hump for about and these they get kind of long. They're about like some of them are like five, ten minute long scenes. Right. Uh where you're just watching them dry hump, and uh, I don't understand why an enlightened being would pick this over the thousands of uh, hardcore films that exist. I think it's that it's on Showtime. Okay. Well, whereas I'm, I'm, a hardcore film isn't. I'm just saying, uh, Agatha White, his ways are <laughs> mysterious. Fair enough. I don't know why he would pick this one. <laughs> That's a good question. We fade to the waitress dressing. She says that she has to go back. Then we cut to Lester and Terry outside the cafe. Lester says they're here. Terry's hesitant. Lester gives some talk about strangers in a strange land and is getting all nerdy and excited. They go inside and see all the weird beatniks. The waitress approaches the aliens' table and asks if they need more and they say that they're full. Lester approaches the waitress and welcomes her to Earth. He tells her that he means well, and uh, Terry confirms with the waitress that she is not an alien. But Lester says that she was covered in ions. That's why she 
picked up as an alien on his alien finder. Oh, yeah. Covered in ions. You know what I mean. <laughs> the aliens get their check and realize they don't have any money and decide to leave and come back later to pay. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they ever come back. No, they don't. The uh, man in black watches them as they leave. They're outside and they say that they're going to a place called the Rub Down. And they teleport away. We cut back inside and Lester's scanning their table. The waitress asks where they went and uh, mentions that they ordered everything. Lester admits that he knows who they were, so uh, <laughs> the waitress asks for him to cover their check. And he agrees like a sucker. We then see Lester and Terry outside, and she's telling him that he's on a wild goose chase. And he reminds her that she said that he could prove it to her, so he has to keep going. But she says that he has to quit this nonsense. He says that he has to see where this leads him. And she says, well, you're going to have to do it alone. And he says that he's sorry that it had to be this way and walks off. She says, me too. Terry then runs into the man in black and says sorry. And he says, it's okay, Terry. Which startles her as she, as he should know what her name is. Yeah, who is this mysterious man in black and who is he working for? He tells her that they need to be careful. And as she starts to respond to him, she looks and he's disappeared. Cut to the aliens teleporting in view and they're outside the rub down, the massage parlor. Is this a massage parlor from the first film? No. No? <laughs> no. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> One of the aliens mentions that Kara's report showed that people got great pleasure there. And then we get a flashback of Kara and a guy massaging each other. Now, this is in the. But this isn't in this, that massage parlor either, because this no. is new. Yes. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> what is this a sequel to? I don't know. They weren't made that far apart. I don't understand. <laughs> they have like the same settings, but there's no like, there's no carryover. There's no nothing. There's no continuity. <laughs> Movies an enigma. Did they make a third one of these? There is a third one that came out in like 2017. Okay. And a fourth one that came out last year. Okay, well, I guess we'll have to watch those eventually. <laughs> I don't know if we have to. Well, we watched this one. We did. But we don't have to go back and cover the first. We can just skip ahead. Yeah, let's not. Okay. The masseuse kisses all over Kara's body as she's laying down, and then we cut to them sitting face-to-face -face kissing, and then her seemingly riding him on his lap. The aliens say something about undressing, but a couple rushes in. So this is Freddy, one of the masseuses, mm -hmm. along with a woman there who is uh, Kiki, I think? Yes, her name is Kiki. Yes. Freddy and Kiki. They make out, and the aliens, of course, kind of hide to the side and watch them. Yeah. And we get some dong hanging in this scene. We do get a little bit of dong hanging. I'm pretty... You never see him erect, but, you know, I'm glad it showed up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just a nice we get little... to see it dangling as he's... a little... Leaning over and such. <laughs> There's a dangling it in front of me. 
Like a, <laughs> a big floppy carrot. <laughs> oh, the carrot and the stick. Yeah. No one better hit me with a goddamn stick. <laughs> so Kiki undresses Freddy and he lays down on the massage tailor and she starts to massage his back. She tells him that she can do this kind of thing for him all the time, but they need to define their roles. She mentions that she's tired of being dominant in their relationship. She wants to be swept up by a pirate type. Uh, He asks what she means, and she says, forget it. She says she needs to get back to work, and he mentions that, well, you work here. He then grabs her and says, kiss me, and she excitedly goes along, and... uh, he undresses her and kisses all over her. Is that what a pirate type does? I guess. I've never... We haven't watched Pirates yet, so maybe we'll know in a few months. Yes, maybe we will. <laughs> uh, but as far as my understanding of pirates is they they mostly just, like, caught you and held you for ransom or probably just shot you or something. I don't think there was a whole lot of body kissing. Yeah. Well, nothing could keep them away from their booty. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Booty. They Um. implicitly go down on each other. Kiki gets on top of Freddy, and he kisses her breasts, and uh, we see him going down on her a bit more and then mounting her missionary. After a while, this ends, and he says he has to go. She tells him it's time for post-coital cuddling, and... He leaves. <laughs> Pirates don't cuddle, baby. Yeah. Uh, you also get to see a shot of her asshole at some point in this. So, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give this scene a couple extra points. There's some dong hanging. It's a little hole show. <laughs> a little hole show. <laughs> yeah. It's the American hole show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The great American hole show. Now, that's a show I'd watch. Yeah, it's on. If you watch... Um, PBS. It's on PBS. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Great American Hole Show <laughs> with uh, Rod Rod Cummings. <laughs> the aliens approach Kiki and ask her if arguing after sex is normal. She asks if they were watching her and uh, note that they talk just like Kara. They say that they're her family, and uh, she notes that Kara's a great person. Uh, One of them notes that Kara said in her report that a massage is stimulation that increases pleasure every time. I feel like this report she sent back must have come back later than whatever took place in the first film, since it doesn't have any relation to those events for the most part. Right. Or those locales, at least. They explain to Kiki that it's important that they find her, and uh, Kiki says that she hasn't seen her. But she has an idea of where she might be because she has particular tastes. It's at this point that Lester and Terry show up outside the rub down. Mm-hmm. He's using his alien finder meter. Yeah, it looks like uh, it kind of looks like a CD player with like the, the lid flipped up, like one of those old portable ones. Right. Um, State of the art technology. Right. Freddy's sitting at a table at the rub down, and Lester asks if he's seen two L.A. pretty people. He says that he says no, then offers to let Terry and Lester sign up for an appointment. 
They walk out of the room just in time to miss Zeta and Tryon coming down the stairs with Kiki. Kiki introduces them to Freddy and uh, mentions that she's going to help them uh, reunite as a family with Kara. And uh, she leaves with them and Freddy is annoyed. Lester and Terry show back up in the room just after the aliens leave. And Lester asks Freddy again if anyone else has been around. And he says, oh, they just left. And says that they were looking for Kara. Lester says those were the aliens. And he says that he had read about Kara on the internet. Yeah, she has her own webpage, apparently. <laughs> right? Um, which is very odd. Very odd thing to bring up once. And then, never, I don't know. I feel like that could have come into play somewhere earlier. Right. Where they're like, oh, we got to find Kara. And but she's actually like a big alien celebrity on Earth. Right. I don't know. There's possibilities here. Terry asks Lester, what about the man in black that's following them? And Lester apparently didn't realize this was a thing. And now he's concerned. As they leave, Freddy mentions that he can page Kiki if they want. We see the aliens with Kiki on the beach, on the street, um, various places, while we also see uh, Terry and Lester in various places and the man in black in various places just kind of cut together as a montage. Yeah, they're just going around Venice Beach, having a good old time. Uh, the aliens talk to a big bearded homeless dude. Uh, they drink smoothies. Lester finds the alien smoothie on the ground. <laughs> uh, the aliens talk to uh, rubber, gray, big-headed aliens that are just set up uh, on uh, lawn chairs outside. Yeah. Uh, Tryon was fooled into thinking they were real, and Zeta has to point out that they're not. Uh, at one point, the man in black picks out sunglasses. Yeah. He <laughs> likes to have different pairs. Lester and what's that bitch's name? Terry. Terry. Lester and Terry meet the two the the rubber aliens and she makes fun of him. Oh it's yes. It's pretty good. And then after they walk away, one of the aliens moves. Yeah. <laughs> Kiki takes Zeta and Tryon to the Neon Jungle strip club. Kiki says that Kara liked to go there a lot and to dance there too. Zeta and Tryon consult their files for Kara dancing and touch their hands. And then we flash back to her dancing. This goes on for a while and there's not much notable to it. She comes out with a, a couple layers of clothes on and then strips down to being totally naked. Hell yeah. Uh, the music is a 90s electro pop horror. Yeah. This movie's music kind of goes between that and sort of um, this kind of synthesized like soft prog rock right that it kind of oscillates between those two moods and I don't like either <laughs> uh, there's also like some kind of like fake Madonna sounding songs as well right where they just have like this like breathy lady vocalist over some yeah just generic pop music this scene in the strip club past and present all of it 
uh-huh. is so long. <laughs> it is. It, uh, I don't know how long it was, but it felt like um, I lived there <laughs> at the end. Tryon says he wants to experience this dancing for himself. Uh, he noted that he'd like to see Zeta dance like that. She mentioned she's not that coordinated. So Tryon excuses himself and stands right in front of the stage uh, and enjoys two women who are dancing there. They seem fairly skilled at what they're doing. Tryon starts to touch them after a bit, which is generally not allowed. Meanwhile, the bartender offers Kiki and Zeta drinks uh, for free because they're friends of Kara. Yeah, it's allowed at, you know, some of them. Okay. Okay, you know? Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, Kiki said her and Kara had wild times there. Zeta asked for her to show her how wild those times were. We then cut to Kiki dancing on stage and stripping. Uh, Zeta watches Kiki dance and pulls her top up and touches her breasts as she's watching Kiki dance. After a bit, they switch spots and Zeta starts dancing on stage. Then both women grind on the pole together. Uh, this goes on for a while. Yeah, we haven't had strip club scenes this long since uh, Mary Cookie and the Killer Tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, they're redressing, and Kiki suggests that Kara could be at virtual encounters. Tryon and Zeta meet up, and Zeta informs Tryon that she may be at virtual encounters. Tryon says maybe he should stay to examine those females that are dancing, and Zeta says they've already lost Kara. She doesn't want to lose him, too. He says he didn't know that she cared. She says she didn't either. Then they talk about how being in these bodies is confusing. It's around this time. <laughs> it sure is confusing to be in these bodies. It sure is. You got aches and pains and... Uh, throbs and pops <laughs> and you know you got um, fire in your loins indeed and a burning in your stomach that never stops <laughs> Lester and Terry show up at the strip club at this point he notes that the readings are in the red she asks him who this man in black is and he says it proves that they're on the right track. He says that they're very dangerous and have a way of erasing things. But uh, he tells her to come on, and she says, into the strip club. He tells her the readings can't be wrong. Of course, they've been, I guess, not wrong this whole time, but certainly not helpful. They go in, and Terry orders a beer, and Lester scans the strippers with his uh, alien finder. The man in black appears and talks to Terry. She immediately demands that she not be erased. <laughs> he says nobody's getting erased. She says that Lester doesn't know what he's doing, and the man in black assures her that he actually does. They've had their eyes on him. She says that she works for the press and doesn't like the government conspiracy stuff and uh, threatens him a bit. But the man in black notes that Terry was just about to break up with Lester. And uh, he, he gives uh, Terry a little button to press when uh, they're in trouble or they find something to summon the man in black. 
The bartender overhears them talking and says that Kara's brother and sister were just there looking for her and mentions that they were going to virtual encounters. What is virtual encounters? Well, virtual encounters is another Sybil Richards movie. Okay, excellent. <laughs> that preceded this film, apparently. Oh, so wow, there's a whole Richards verse. <laughs> it, it appears so. It just all ties together in a fun way. <laughs> Except this one that doesn't tie into the other one in the same series. <laughs> The woman at the desk says that Kara is taken off to Amsterdam or something, and uh, they ask if she left a number, and she tells them no, but she left behind some programs that others were free to use. So they follow the uh, receptionist into a room. Uh, she mentions a virtual reality is like foreplay, and she tells them that this was one of Kara's favorite programs. So Zeta puts on some long gauntlets and a headset. Yes. And uh, finds herself in a virtual world where she's in a little rock grotto with a waterfall and she's splashing around. Yeah, she's in um, She's in the Matrix, I believe. I believe she is, yes. Okay. Back to uh, things going full circle. Yeah. Uh, a guy comes up behind her wearing a banana hammock and starts to rub on her body. They caress a bunch, and uh, and we see him humping her from behind, standing, and they make out under a waterfall and then do it doggy behind the waterfall. This goes on a bit, but uh, Zeta takes off the headset and says, That was incredible. Tryon asks for a turn, and the woman says that he may need a different program. That's presumptive. Uh, he says, make it so, and he sits down. She says, Kara could get a little kinky sometimes, and and she says that she hopes that he can take it. He says he can. And we cut to Tryon, and he's wearing a referee shirt, and there are two women wrestling in front of him. Yes, they are. Um, this ring that they're in is pretty wild because it's uh, some blue gym mats mm -hmm. and then it looks like there's some sort of railing there that's like covered in fabric yeah but the fabric has a pattern across it to make it look like ropes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh <laughs> it's quite a setting yeah and there it's also just all hit with the strobe light yes that as well so the girls wrestle a bit but really they just start sucking each other's tits and grinding and such they completely undress one another and give each other implied oral, some 69ing. And after this goes on a bit, they turn to Tryon and undress him. We see them getting on top of him, and uh, after a bit, we cut to him taking off the headset. He says he could go again, but they have to get going. We cut to Lester and Terry showing up. He asks, where are they? The woman at the desk says, who? He says, the aliens. I know they're here. Uh, like a lunatic. Mm -hmm. He needs an alien tracker that can actually track people based on where they are instead of where they have been. Right. <laughs> That's a fault in his technology. We cut back to Tryon, who says that they should have Dak analyze these programs. Kiki mentions having heard of this Dak guy. Uh, Lester says that 
uh, to the secretary that he's looking for Kara's friends, and she says they're in the back. Uh, and so they walk into the room just as the aliens beam away again. <laughs> we go back to the place that they're staying, and Tryon and Zeta ask Dak to analyze the programs and run the results, whatever that means. Uh, they then appear in some other simulation, apparently. It looks like a, a cabin room, or at least a, a room with a lot of wood. <laughs> um, a bunch of candles around, and then Kara's in the room. Kara tells them to kiss each other. She explains that she planted this program to be run when analyzed by Dak. They say that they must take Kara back, and she says no, they shouldn't. She encourages them to enjoy the program, and uh, Tryon and Zeta enjoy each other. They kiss and embrace, and Tryon helps Zeta undress, caressing her breasts and then kissing down her chest. Is this a real Kara, or just a Matrix Kara? I think it's just a Matrix Kara. Okay, good. Uh, we see Zeta kissing all over Tryon's body, then them laying down with him kissing her chest. We get some missionary for a bit, some cowgirl for a bit. They make out some more. Uh, then we see Lester and Terry show up. Terry tells Lester maybe they should call the FBI. Then she finally tells him about the man in black and the device that he gave her. He tells her that it's a scam. They want credit for the discovery. Uh, Lester convinces her they need to see this through to the end, and so she throws down the device. They then run in and see the aliens who are kissing. Lester welcomes them to Earth, and uh, they kiss each other. Lester and Terry run through all of the alien stereotypes, um, and then Zeta and Tryon go back to making out. Lester and Terry are surprised about how horny they are, and it's at that point that the man in black shows up. Yes. But uh, we actually find out that the man in black is actually Kara with a candy bar. Yeah. He, uh, that's it. That's a twist. Lester says this day must be documented, and Kara says no one would believe him, and Dak offers to erase their minds. Terry and Lester finally agree not to tell, and they make out with each other. Kara says humans can't keep their hands off each other. And we cut to shots from earlier in the film, leading into the credits where we see some bloopers. Oh, yeah, there's some fine bloopers. Yeah, uh, this is basically like a rom-com for UFO freaks. Right. <laughs> uh, but I'll save that for my review. Alright, well that is Femalians. No. Femalian 2. Yeah, the, uh... Search for Femalian. Yeah, the search for Femalian. That's the one. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> take a break and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on Femalian 2.
Is your favorite snack microchips and salsa? No, my favorite snack is the slime that I found. It's oh, blue. Oh, yeah. What's it taste like? Slime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've just been sucking on it while you were talking about Femalian, and I think I've inhaled enough of it now. Yeah, that container's only like a quarter full now. Yeah, it's mostly gone. I've got <laughs> enough of it down now that I think I can review this film. All right, well, Jeremy, hit us with your raincoat review. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't like this movie very much. Okay. <laughs> I found it to be, on the whole, be a little too long and just a little too dull okay now i think it had i think it started out pretty strong i liked uh a lot of where the setup was going right they got to find their their familian friend uh zd and treon do and they also have to contest with this uh amateur ufologist who's chasing them around and then there's a man in black too you're like oh wow what a what a lovely gumbo of uh ideas right the it basically the the whole thing is just everyone just being like one step behind everyone else uh, and you just do that scene just over and over about five or six times and then the movie's done yeah so well there's just not much to say about it on the story front I liked some of it it was, I guess, kind of cute. Some of the humor was okay. Uh, the leads, the female leads in this, I think are pretty attractive. Mm-hmm. In that late 90s kind of like airbrushed blonde way, even though one of them's a brunette. Right. Uh, but they have that look that would have been on like, we talked about the fair earlier and posters. Just one of those kind of posters you would have won at like a fair game of like... Uh, sable or some sports <laughs> illustrated model right uh i did have a sable poster i think when i was like 11 or 12 sexy yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> uh, and this movie is about as substantial as a uh, a poster from the fair <laughs> i will say you know it's, it's here today and it's rolled up behind your uh dresser uh, tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I think we both agreed the music was kind of irritating. Right. Through uh, various things. It looks nice, I would suppose, would be something I would say for the most part. Uh, Gary did okay. Right. Framing the shots. Uh, some of the sex looks pretty decent, even though it's fake. Right. But there's just too much of just just softcore sex and i understand why it is the way it is right but that doesn't stop it from being really dull i'm gonna give it a two okay uh yeah i give it a two okay and eggthoy he gives it a five okay because he says that as an alien being as an ethereal being as a master of uh cosmic energies that he he finds it really relatable okay he says everyone where he's from likes this kind of music 
<laughs> like this is like the stuff he thinks like when they do like the jokes where they're like real drawn out and like they pretend not to understand things he's like no that's how it is and i'm like okay whatever you're the <laughs> you're the codeine induced hallucination so um i give it I, he gives it a five okay um He's, just, he's only 13, so this is, like, the hardest thing he can watch. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I, I didn't hadn't... know that until now, either. He just told that to me, and oh. uh, I feel this whole episode's got a kind of a... You kind of tarnished it there at the end, Eggful Wait. <laughs> uh, boss, I'm going to hand it over to you. I... <laughs> uh, okay, so this film is quite an experience um having gone into it from femalian i would say that this film slightly exceeded my expectations i could yeah but that has to be given with the caveat that my expectations were exceedingly low going in yeah really femalian one was just her going various places and watching people have sex and grabbing her tits and there's a little bit of drama, but not really that much. Yeah, you um, mentioned some drama between a masseuse and a diner owner. Right. That didn't pan out and didn't impact this film's diner or massage joint. No, not at all. But, you know, there's a little bit more going on in this film as far as the the man in black and the uh, X-Files wannabes and... All of that. Um, But at the end of the day, this film was just okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't find myself getting particularly bored with it, although it certainly kind of tested those boundaries a few times. I had to... To be honest, I had to fast forward through like the strip club scene about like 15 minutes in. (laughs) I was like, okay. I was like, I get it. They love to strip. (laughs) <laughs> uh, i was like okay we'll drop back in uh i watched Kara's programs well that's good yeah i thought they might be useful um for the notes i'm taking about alien behaviors for this project okay yeah i'm gonna take them back to DAC and analyze and run them excellent yes we'll see what happens to your body <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know. I don't feel like there's much to add. The music's bad. The There's some hammy dialogue and weirdness that makes this film a little bit enjoyable to me, mm-hmm. but the softcore sex definitely just uh, puts a huge break on the plot of the film. Yeah. Yeah, just more so than hardcore sex usually does, even though, as we've seen like a number of times, it can't stop a film in its tracks. Right. This just goes beyond that because it stops it and it doesn't really give you what you would normally put on a film for if you were looking for something that wasn't on Cinemax. Right. Um, But like I said, we have to kind of keep the context of it and it's time and place. Like, this was the kind of thing I would see on like the video store shelf when I was eight and my mom was like, you can't rent that one. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, but it's got aliens. <laughs> yeah, Mom. Yeah. Look at you now. Look at me now. I finally watched this movie. <laughs> and she was right. 
I can't watch that one. I'm not old enough for it. <laughs> so overall, I'm going to give this two and a half stars. I think that there's some weird movie charm to it, mm-hmm. but uh, it was like one boring minute away from me turning against the movie, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if it had gone on any longer, I think you could have a strong case to turn against it completely. Right. Uh, well, I guess that'll do it for this week right yep uh follow us on instagram and twitter at raincoat report raincoat report at gmail.com if you need to email us uh rate review subscribe to our podcast tell people to listen to it tell people not to listen to it just talk any press is good press yeah i mean even if you just go on a, a massive campaign to uh try to drive people away from us I think at our current level of success, it could only help us. Yeah, there'd be no, there's no way to hurt us, so just go ahead and try. Right. We're not afraid of you, bullies. Yeah. yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Boss is a little afraid. He's shaking. I'm usually shaking, yes. But you're doing it a lot more now. You're going to shake right out of your chair. You're so afraid of the audience. Well, uh, before I shake out of the chair, uh, is there anything else you want to add? Um... Yeah, I think if you're going to drink a bottle of lean and go for a walk, you shouldn't do that. But if you do, don't forget your raincoat. 